Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Dustin Rhodes to my Cody Rhodes. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Oh, Justin, what an eventful few days. It's that time of year when my phone is buzzing constantly because of Twitter notifications from Fabrizio Romano, John Percy, etc. And I've been struggling to cope with all the business that's happening in the championship. Having said that, it's provided a nice distraction for what has been a traumatic couple of days for me, if I'm being honest. A traumatic couple of days, Ryan? What's yes. what's going on? Tell me. Tell Uncle Justin. Come on. My poor little puppy, still just a baby in my eyes. We took away his manlyhood this week. Oh. We've we've chopped his knackers off and Jesus. he has not been a happy little lad. Of course he hasn't. You've taken away his... Uh... His, uh, his, his manhood, if you like. Don't get me wrong, you know, we, we can all be a bit um, protective of it, naturally. But, you know, the poor sod, he lost his testosterone. Yeah, he's uh, he's not thanked me for it. Every time I look at him, he is looking up at me like, why have you done this to me, father? And it's, uh, it's I feel bad. I feel extremely bad, Justin. How is the other half feeling? Is she as sympathetic or is it is it just, is, is it, it's a man-to-man thing, isn't it? No, I think I think we're both in bits over okay. it. To be honest, oh yes, yeah, wrong um, choice of words, <laughs> but not intended. Talking about um, bits, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we both just feel really bad for him. But look, it had to be done. Unfortunately, even though the puppy's eyes are telling me differently. Yeah, are you um, are you going? Are you getting them? Are you keeping them as a keepsake, like a, you know, um, like an umbilical cord for a child? Didn't no. get the choice, unfortunately, Justin. Otherwise, yeah. I would have happily put them in a jar on the mantelpiece yeah. and just stared at them every single day or tormented the dog even further by <laughs> saying, this was yours. This was yours, now it's not. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realise they, they don't take away the sack, by the way. It's oh. just like hanging around, just flapping around. It's uh, it's hilarious. I've never I've never thought about it. Um, and that's a lot to stomach at this early, this early <laughs> in the morning, to be honest with you. <laughs> okay. What? What a classic start to an episode of the Second Tier Podcast. Welcome to somehow the number one championship podcast, the Second Tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, as we say, it's basically the end of the transfer window in January. So we have got plenty to talk about on that front, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to talk about some of the confirmed deals in the championship later on in the show. But before that, we have some big championship news to talk about with Darren Moore being dismissed by Huddersfield Town. So we'll talk about that very shortly, just and I, I imagine both have strong opinions on that one. Fairly strong. Dis- Fairly yeah, strong. and despite everything that's happened, we also have some actual football for us to talk about <laughs> from a, the past few days. So we'll dip into those games as well. But yeah, let's kick things off, Justin, with Huddersfield, who have sacked Darren Moore after just four months in charge. In 23 games, he won three, drew 11, lost nine. What do you think, Justin? Are we surprised at all? 
Yes and no. Uh, I know it's quite a flaky answer. Um, I mean, you can be surprised in the sense that there's a lot of context to Darren Moore and you you can't be surprised because he's he's won three games in in, in 23. It's it's just not enough um, to to convince anybody. Um, But as I say, I think context is key with Old Moore. He he never trusted the team he had at his disposal, did he? He never allowed them to take the foot off the brake pedal. It was always on. There was always a hand on the handbrake as well. The draws tell you that. But I think sadly, or say well, it was all safety first. Um, uh, he bought he brought the team, um, and I think as well if you look up Darren Moore closely at his career as a manager, he was a guy that, to be fair to him, um, he relied heavily on, on on players who produced quality, the quality individuals. You go back to that West Brom spell; it wasn't a sustain, sustainable um, runner form, and that's ultimately why he got sacked. Although the timing with that was was a bit odd again. Um, but he made for me, he made Huddersfield a steady side. He waited for the quality. Uh, to come through, but unfortunately, he just didn't have he doesn't have it at his disposal at Huddersfield. Well, that's one of the reasons why I think it's a ridiculous decision, to be honest. First of all, there's the timing of it, which I find very strange because they're coming off the back of a really impressive performance against QPR, where they were unlucky not to win, and the only reason they didn't win is because of a last minute equaliser. Mm-hmm. So, would he have been sacked if that hadn't have gone in? seems very strange logic to me to do this after a good performance like that. And the other thing is they've sacked him just days before another relegation six-pointer against Sheffield Wednesday. It's one of your most important games of the season. And unless there's a dramatic change in the next 24 hours or so as we record this, the person who's going to be in charge for it is the club's academy manager because all of the other first-team coaches left with Darren Moore. Mm -hmm. So it just seems like self-sabotage to do this in this week of all weeks, but looking at the job Moore did as a whole, sure, three wins in 23 isn't great, but he's had to work with one of the worst squads in the league, a squad so lacking in quality that Neil Warnock was struggling with it. And just as they've finally signed some players, he's been sacked, which Mm -hmm. I think is really harsh, not even being given a chance with this new squad. And I've also seen fans complaining that his football was shite, but, what do you expect? You're fighting relegation with one of the worst squads in the league. Do you think he's going to be playing like Pep Guardiola's Barcelona? Of course he's fucking not. Um, ultimately, though, his job was to keep Huddersfield up this season. And since he's been there, they've won more points than four other teams in the division. And one way or another, they've not been in the bottom three at all under Darren Moore. So mm. if he's done that with the players he's had before, you'd have thought he would keep them up with a stronger squad after this transfer window. Keep in mind, the other teams below them haven't really strengthened much in January either. So would it have turned out that way? I don't know. Will the new manager keep them up? I don't know. But I believe Darren Moore did more than enough to deserve longer in the job for me personally, Justin. I I agree with you, but again, you've got to argue that the face of it, the stats just weren't backing him him up. But you compare it to the four other teams in the division, he's won more, more, more points than... Um, you know that's essentially what, what they need to do they don't have a good squad uh, it's simple they don't have a good squad he's been decimated with injuries throughout um, his tenure his short tenure as well so that's another big thing you need to bring into consideration here Yeah. but again it's the, other, it's the other side of it as well do you trust the board to get the next appointment right if they got the Darren Moore appointment wrong because again you, you're taking the, their, their very short time of owning the club so far um, I'm not sure I trust them to, to, to do it to do it appropriately and, and properly because the statement they put out was just made me 
like raise my eyebrows to be honest with you what bit made you raise your eyebrows wanting to play attacking football but getting in a manager to come in and get results this season to keep them up I don't think the two work hand in hand I don't think you can get a manager who can come in and get results now because that's you know a more defensive minded like sit back sort of guy if you like a bit more direct a bit more like a Neil Warnock and then you want them to be attacking uh, front foot I mean there's more there's more to it than that but that's essentially what they're asking for which I think is too much to ask um, yeah. and again I think it limits your, limits your pool of managers as well and again am I trusting ownership to get it right no they didn't get it right in the summer with recruitment they pissed Neil Warnock off he left obviously didn't get it right with Darren Moore if they've sacked him this, this early on despite him chipping away at results and they're now in a position where teams below them are probably licking their lips because they're in a bit of a mess so if I was an up and coming manager I'd maybe stay away from the job I wouldn't be throwing myself at it. You you could have said the same thing about Danny Raw to be fair, going to Sheffield Wednesday, and he's slowly turning it around. So may or may not work from that perspective. But I'm not looking at that role and, and thinking, that's a good one for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, this brings me back onto this owner who I just find myself disliking more and more as the weeks go by. It feels like he's just doing what he thinks the fans want. Now, that might seem on the face of it the right thing to do, but that's not always the case. You, you've got to make tough decisions as an owner, many of which may not be popular decisions with supporters. However, it seems to me like this guy has been sucked in by fans calling for Darren Moore to go and did it. And, you know, there's further evidence of him pandering to fans with that daft video he yeah. did a few weeks ago where he was trying to win as many brownie points as possible while also throwing Darren Moore under the bus simultaneously. And the thing that particularly leaves a sour taste in my mouth, the owner told the BBC just 19 days ago before Darren Moore was sacked that he isn't going anywhere. Well, since then, Huddersfield hadn't lost a game. So what's changed in that time? I, I, I just don't get it. And especially when you're in the middle of a recruitment drive to improve the squad for the manager you appointed in September... Um, there's you know there's a real, there's a reason why Neil Warnock left. He wasn't happy with the squad, and he clearly wasn't happy with the owner. There was a disagreement somewhere, um, and it just feels like there there may be the, the two things that are being said. One being said to the manager, and one being said to the fans. Um, and unfortunately, you're not gonna you're not gonna find the right balance. And like I said, I I think there'll be teams below them now looking at it. Sheffield Wednesday, QPR. They'll look at Huddersfield and go, that's a that's a wounded animal. That's a um, you know that's a, that's a team that. I, wouldn't say in disarray, but they're very disorganised, and you can tell that just by the uh, the output of the, the, the communications and their indecisiveness with with what they want from a manager. Yeah, well, whether Huddersfield stay up or not, I don't know, but they're lucky that the three clubs below them, one's got the smallest resources in the entire league, another is being run by people who don't know their arse from their face, and another is run by literally the maddest owner in the whole of English football, because. I wouldn't want this guy running my club based off his first seven months of owning it. It's been a very questionable start from this new owner. And it leaves me worried about whether Huddersfield, if they stay up this season, whether they'll just be in a very, very similar position, probably even worse mm. next season. Anyway, we wait with bated breath to see who the new manager is. Paul Heckingbottom is the Bucky's favourite for the job last time I checked. Justin Peach is shrugging his shoulders there for listeners of the podcast. Um, once again, yeah. forgetting that this is a podcast and people can't 
hear him shrugging his shoulders. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk more about. You surely, surely hear my squeaky joints going. <laughs> so, if you hear it, it's not my chair; it's my shoulders. Well, well, we'll talk about whoever the new manager is once they actually get appointed. But just in after, you know all this happening in midweek we have got some actual football for us to talk about from the past few days which we probably should have a little moosey over uh, on Tuesday night Leicester got back to winning ways in the league by beating Swansea 3-1 a pretty comfortable one for the Foxes they scored within the first three minutes and as the game went on it seemed more of a case of how many they were going to win by as opposed to whether they would win so it should be all happy happy at Leicester right well Apparently not. There was a bit of frustration from supporters during this one that Enzo Maresca's men weren't being more direct, a bit faster with the ball. And it seemed to really pee off Maresca because after the game, he said, I arrive in this club to play with this idea. The moment there is some doubt about the idea, the day I will leave. It's so clear, no doubts. Ten points clear at the top of the league, Justin. On course to break the championship points record and fans at Leicester still aren't happy. This is ridiculous, isn't it? No, no. Leicester fans have got every right to be unhappy with the style of football. It's winning games. Nobody likes winning games. They're on course for promotion. Nobody wants to get promoted from the championship. You're being sarcastic. Your sarcastic voice wasn't in place, which confused me there. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) No, I... Yeah, it it is shit, isn't it? It's it's very shit. Uh, for, For a manager who's having to deliver um you know a, a a parachuted return to the championship if we like they've they've had a big yeah big turnover in the summer of players a lot of big players leaving he's, he's had to start again essentially and he's, he's playing a style of football that is intricate that can be boring that can be at times feeling a little bit placid um but it's winning games and it's got them 10 points clear of the championship and i think it's created an expectation naturally amongst some supporters um I, I will admit Mareska's style doesn't excite me too much, but if any long-time listener of the podcast knows, I like two number nines and, and, and lump lump it forward football. So I'm never going to be fully in love with Mareska's yeah. style of play. Brexit ball, essentially. Yeah, yeah. give me Brexit ball all day. Sam Allardyce, Neil Warnock. Get Pulis back. Get Pulis in. You could do much worse than Pulis. Um, and Jesus Christ. <laughs> caps on, boys. Um, I, I just think... I just think um, it's 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 perhaps that expectation that's been raised amongst the pa- uh, supporters that they should be turning teams over four or five nil at a canter every game. And it's just not going to happen. They controlled this game against Swansea. They created a handful of chances. It was actually a very impressive win, um, and they've got one or two injuries to some key players like Wilfred and Didi. Like I said, they had a significant rebuild in the summer, and I just think Maresca's barely written the contents page of this book he's got over Leicester at the moment. So just chill out, guys. Enjoy the ride. It's, well, going get, it's going to get crazy next season when they get back to the Premier League. That's when it gets tough. Well, that will be interesting, won't it? But this is the perfect example of how you can't satisfy everyone, isn't it? Because, you know, some football fans will moan no matter what's happening on the pitch. Yeah. And, I mean, you say it's not the most entertaining football, Justin. They're the top scorers in the league. Yeah. So how can fans moan about not being entertained? It's genuinely baffling. It's for me, Leicester fans should be savouring this season for all it's worth. I know they've had some pretty exciting seasons over the past decade, but how many seasons over the next decade will they get where they're just spanking everyone? I'd, seriously, people need to get a grip. I, I know 
what's a regular thing at football grounds up and down the country is people behind you going forward and <laughs> it's it's just it, I mean it really winds me up when that happens but I mean why are people complaining about it at Leicester? What is there to really complain about? It's absolutely ridiculous. And I know it is just a minority of supporters, but the fact there's even a minority to begin with is yeah. stupid. They're the worst best team. They're the worst best team to come from the championship. Are they? <laughs> no, they're, just, they're not. They're just the best team, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, Let's they're... be honest. So the, the fact <laughs> that there's anyone who can possibly find any faults in this is just, it actually does blow my mind. Anyway, let's move on. Two late goals for both sides meant Coventry and Bristol City couldn't be separated on Tuesday night to all it finished. Over the last 10 games, only Leicester and Southampton have won more points than Coventry. So this is an excellent result for Bristol City. They played well too here. Maybe could have even got all three points. Mm. But bad news for commentary in this one. Ben Sheaf was taken off with a hamstring injury. Mark Robbins said afterwards, I'm hoping it's not a significant one, but we will have to wait and see when it's scanned. It will be a minimum of a few weeks, that's for sure. Whatever the case, it's a huge blow for Coventry, isn't it? Well, you just hope it's going to be a few weeks rather than a few months because we've seen a couple of hamstring injuries this season that have ruled players out until April. You, know, you look at George Hurst, for example, and it can really derail the second half of the season. I think the only thing you can really um, take uh, well, positives out of it is it's, it's you know this this news has come when there's still a bit of time to to come in and uh, um, and bring someone in to to. Fill that void essentially from from Ben Sheaf potentially, but they do have depth then in central midfield, which I think is a positive. Obviously, no one of Ben Sheaf's quality or, or skill set, but they've brought in Victor Torp, Josh Eccles is there, Liam Kelly as well. I'm probably forgetting one or two more, uh, Jamie Allen. They do have depth in central midfield, which is which is a positive. And obviously, because they play the, the uh, they play the four two three one now, um, they're a little bit more compact in midfield, so there's less um, less need to to essentially have a, a big energetic ball winning midfielder because they've got a more compact system. So that's the only sort of positives you can take from it. But whatever the case, it will be a huge blow because, I mean, you only have to go back a couple of episodes to tell you how highly we rate Ben Sheaf. Um, so him being outside, I mean, any player is going to miss their best players. Yeah, well, for me, he is Coventry's best player. And th this is the thing which could derail Coventry's great form because they have been excellent recently with loads of players stepping up. But... Ben Sheaf is the one who knits it all together. He's the heartbeat of this team. He is, to Coventry, what Tofu is to Justin Peach, you vegan bastard. Um, but I, I said it recently, he's the best all-round midfielder in the league. So th this could be a major blow. Hopefully it's a matter of weeks, not months. It is worth saying, Justin, that they have got Victor Torp coming into the team, as you rightly point out. And... Look, I imagine Mark Robbins would have liked to ease him in, but they may have to abandon those plans and get him in straight away because, you know, I don't, it's, we're still waiting to see how good Victor Torp is in comparison to Ben Sheaf. But he he's essentially can be possibly drafted in straight away. Into, but we'll have to wait and see how yeah, that yeah. goes. But yeah, it's, it's a huge blow, isn't it? Yeah, it's a huge blow. Um, I'm just going to take Humbridge for one thing you said about tofu. <laughs> I wonder which bit. <laughs> <laughs> If if Coventry derail and the season falls flat and they drop down the table, you're suggesting that tofu keeps me alive, which I disagree with. I don't okay. really like tofu. Is not my favourite vegan. What do um, you eat then? What do I eat? I eat, I eat um, grass. <laughs> it's I I don't need to get into my diet right now. 
but I, I will take Humbridge with it. Ben Chief is is better than tofu. I don't think that's a very good analogy because, as I say, tofu is not the best thing to eat as a vegan. Beans are. Okay, right. Yes. So if if Ben Chief is what beans are to you, is he? Exactly. Ben Chief is the beans of that Coventry City side. He's pure what, beans. What beans are we talking here? Oh, I can I can speak for an hour on beans. Go on, top bean, black bean, incredible black bean. Big shout, cannellini. big shout from Justin. cannellini beans. The next one. Oh, I do. Haricot beans, beans. The next one. Honestly, oh, I could talk about beans for hours. Stop, you dirty boy. <laughs> stop talking about my bean. Um, and the final Fuck's game sake. from midweek: Sheffield Wednesday nil, Watford nil. Uh, Wednesday quite unlucky here, actually. Ben Hamer made some brilliant saves in a Watford goal. Probably the big talking point from this game, though, is the state of the Hillsborough pitch. Have you seen it? Yeah, it's no. awful. I've seen, I've seen. Well, go on. No, I've seen quite a few pitches really suffer this winter, and I don't know if it's because we've had a very wet winter or what. I'm not going to get into the geology or anything like that, but it's it's been a strange period. I think the last time I've seen so many uh, pitches this bad was during lockdown when um, I don't know. I don't know whether COVID affected grass as well, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. a strange one. Strange one. Well, I, I can give you some insight, Justin, into, into what's happened. Apparently, it's because of the recent weather, obviously taking its toll, but. Because the pitches at the Sheffield Wednesday training ground have been frozen, the players have had to train at Hillsborough oh. on occasion. So that's the main reason behind it. But I've seen Wednesday fans talking about it recently. I hadn't noticed how bad it was until I saw this game. I mean, Valerian Ishmael even criticised it afterwards, calling Valerian it awful. Ishmael. Wow. Yeah. He, even he called it out. So, uh, I mean, it's so bad. It's, it's kind of like a throwback, isn't it, to something straight out of the 70s. Ultimately, though... Wednesday are the ones having to play their home games on it week in, week out, aren't they? So they're the ones who need to pick up as many points as possible on this cabbage patch of a pitch. And I imagine it's not going to get better anytime soon. So it's something they're just going to have to adapt to, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a frustrating one as well because their home form has been very strong under Danny Rule. Um, their away form's not great. So exactly, you, you want to be per- performing. And again, Hillsborough's a big, you know, uh, it's become, i say, a bit of a fortress for, for Danny Rule and, and the side. So not having a decent pitch to play on is, is going to impact things. And as well, they, they don't play a, a particularly direct style of football. Um, they, they, they can mix it up, but they've been a lot better um, playing through the thirds. And I think that's going to play a big role in it. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know what solutions are. I'm not a, I'm not a gardener. I'm not a, I'm not a keen groundsman. Um, although I have laid grass myself in the summer. I'm very proud of it. But that took three months. You eat it afterwards. <laughs> yes, exactly. I ate it afterwards. You heartless, heartless human being. Um <laughs> Awful human being. So it, that took three months. And Sheffield Wednesday don't have three months to get that grass right. They don't. They, I think it's just a matter of weeks. So it depends whenever their next home game is really due. Exactly. Um, have you played on better Sunday league pitches than that, Justin? Um, I uh, Yes, I have. So Rolls-Royce pitches. Literally, the Rolls-Royce uh, aeroplane manufacturers, they have pitches there and they are incredible. Yeah, yeah. In Derby. We'll In Derby. Give some yeah. context there. Yeah, I... I know those pitches are very, very nice, aren't they? Well done to them. And just quickly before we have a break, Justin, uh, did you see who was playing paddle tennis with the rapper Stormzy this week? None other than Sheffield Wednesday midfielder Jeff Hendrick. What a what a strange collaboration, which I never saw coming. No, yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. Um, I saw this and I thought, well, you're not playing many games for Sheffield Wednesday. And I, I not, it doesn't look like he's going to get recorded anytime soon and sent elsewhere. Um, he is injured. Well, okay, that's, that's fair, but again, he's not been great in, in great form for the last sort of eighteen months. I've seen a lot of fans criticise him, um, and I don't think playing paddle tennis 
Is it called Paddle Tennis or just Paddle? Both. Anyway, the I've the, never played it. Neither have I. I've not got the no. joints for it. Um, I've always wanted to, but I never got around to it. Well, maybe you can get on the blower to Stormzy and say, "Can I? Can I have a go?" Maybe, but Justin, if I did, I didn't want to start playing and get way too big for my boots. Uh, I don't know that reference. It's a Stormzy song. <laughs> you know any Stormzy song? Um, the one where he says "fuck Boris Johnson." Yeah, that one. Yes. Good. Yeah. <laughs> if Stormzy walked into this room right now, where you are, would um, you recognise him? I'd be surprised because my house is locked. So that would terrify me. <laughs> Someone's just walking into my house. <laughs> and it's Stormzy of all people yeah. with Jeff Hendrick with him as well. <laughs> In tow. That, yeah, that would, um, that would freak me out, to be honest with you. I'd love to see it happen though. Anyway, Justin, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll talk about some of the latest transfer deals in the Championship. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. So it's now time for us to talk about some of the latest transfer deals in the Championship. And these are just some of the confirmed deals for now. We'll have more confirmed transfers to talk about in the Friday preview show. Because uh, obviously it's deadline day, isn't it? Today, when we're recording this, Justin. So plenty for us to smooth over there. But we'll start off with Southampton. And they have let Carlos Alcaraz go on loan to Juventus. Uh, there is reportedly a option for Juventus to make it a permanent deal. Justin, what do we think of this? It's not really happened for him in the Championship. Undoubtedly a very talented player, but we haven't seen the Carlos Alcaraz that we saw in the Premier League, really, have we? No, I don't think Russell Martin's really trusted him to deploy him in his system. Um, and, we, yeah, I mean, you've seen that with his game time. He's had it... Impacts at times, but nothing consistent. And again, if you're pushing for the top two, um, then you need a player who's going to really, really come in and, and light things up. And that, yeah, as you say, Alcaraz hasn't really done that. Um, I mean, that Penanka penalty feels like a long time ago. Um, but it's just, you know, moments like that where you probably need to mature a little bit. And I think it's a good deal for from a Southampton perspective because he's probably on a fair, fairly decent wage and they, and they get the possibility of getting a you know significant fee for him in the summer as well. So I think it's one of those moves that probably works out for, for everybody and Southampton can go out and, and strengthen the, the side in which they, they, they probably will do over the next day. Yeah, well, I imagine he's on a fair bit yeah. as well. So, you know, get him off the wage bill, get a load of money for him in the summer, 
everyone's happy then, aren't they? So, especially if he's not playing. I've been a bit surprised about how little he has played. Maybe it is just one of those cases where a player who knows his talent has come down to the championship and maybe thought to himself, I'm a bit too good for this. So hasn't really put in the effort that Russell Martin has desired. So maybe it's down to that or maybe he's just had his head turned from, you know, some big clubs sniffing around him. It, it could be any, any one of those factors, but it seems like... It's, it's, it's hard to turn down Juventus, isn't it, as well? Well, there is. As, as, soon as, they, as soon as they swing in, you're like, oh, OK, I've got the opportunity to play in the top flight of Serie A for one of the biggest clubs in the world. Mm. That's, going to be a big, that's going to be a big pull. Well, it was being... He got called up to the Argentinian national team not yeah, too long exactly. ago as well, didn't he? Which is ridiculous for a championship player to be doing that. <laughs> yeah, but that just goes to show how much of a talent he is, and I'm sure he will go on to have a decent career. Um, interesting how many Serie A clubs are looking at championship players, yeah. isn't it? Just <laughs> in it. We've had now Alcaraz going to Juventus. Lazio have just been determined to get a championship winger in because they've been looking at Jack Clark, Jonathan Rowe. There's another one, Morgan, Morgan Whitaker, Whitaker as well. What what the hell's going on? It's just a, just a load of FM nerds, I think, who just found their way into recruitment teams in Italy. That's what it is. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you texted me one the other day. Is it Alan Brown at Preston's been linked with Salernitana? What yep. the hell? Where's that <laughs> like, from? What is going on? What is going on? Why why do you want our players? Um, I mean, fair enough, you're shining a big light. Maybe on. they're listening, Justin. Maybe they are listeners. Maybe they are. Ooh, ooh, we have to check the we have to check the stats. See how many are Italians. Yeah, Juve. Have you heard of this lad called Jordan Hugill? I tell you what, <laughs> he will be the difference maker. Rotherham Rob, uh, fans thanking us there, I think. <laughs> uh, but sticking with Southampton, they've signed winger David Brooks from Bournemouth on loan until the end of the season. Cast your mind back to our episode where we listed where each team needed strength in this window just in Southampton. Fans were screaming at us, right wing, like it was a polling station in Surrey. Um, so is David Brooks the answer for Southampton, do you think? I think he is. I really like him. He's such a talented player and I think him dropping uh, dropping down uh, on loan isn't a surprise. Wales have got some big games coming up with the Euro qualifiers, or not the Euro knockout games or whatever. Whatever precedes the Euros. Playoffs. Playoffs, that's the one. Um, so he's going to want the guarantee of more game time. Uh, Bournemouth haven't put an option to buy either, so they clearly rate him and want him back in the summer. And I think he's a big asset to have at championship level. He, you know, he's been robbed of the best part of two years of his career, so he's going to want to play regularly. He's going to want to really earn his opportunity as well. And is there a better place in a, uh, for a technically gifted player, a versatile wide player, than than uh, Southampton under under Russell Martin? I don't, think he, I don't think there is. I think it's a good signing. Yeah, well, he's a magnificently talented player, isn't he? He had so much potential when he was young. getting linked with some big, big clubs. I think Man United were having a good sniff around him. Obviously, a lot has happened since then with things completely out of his control. Mm -hmm. And he has only played 33 games over the last three seasons, although he's featured a fair amount off the bench for Bournemouth in the Premier League this season. And <laughs> keep in mind, he recently tore Swansea apart in the FA Cup. Yeah. So... He's still only 26. And a big reason why this move happened was because he told Bournemouth he wanted to play regular football, which is a good sign. Unlike other players who may be in these relegated sides, mm -hmm. he has said he will happily drop down to the championship and wants to play football. That's always a good start. And Southampton seems like a very good place to do it. I think he suits a Russell Martin system. So this gets a big thumbs up from me after everything he's been through. I'd love to see it work out for him. Yeah, yeah. Again, he's he's a player you want to see do well. Yeah, um, really do well. And again, he's 
don't think we saw the best of him at Bournemouth because we're playing under Scott Parker either. Um, yeah, preceded his illness, so I think it's a, it's a big opportunity for him. And as I say, under Russell Martin, I think he can flourish. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Ryan Giles has joined Hull on loan from Luton. The Tigers have the option to make the move permanent. He only moved to Kenilworth Road in the summer. But I think this is another exciting move for Hull, Justin. Yeah, a championship, a championship level. I think he's great. He's, he's, I mean, Hull have possess, now possess a very dangerous outlet on the left-hand side. And if you can get the, the perfect blend of directness out of him that Carrick had, that Carrick got out of him last season at Middlesbrough, then yeah, he's, he's going to be good. Might be suspect defensively at times, but what you get in return going forward should balance it out. It's like, it's like having a massive pizza. That's bad for you. You know it's not healthy, but boy, is it good. It is greasy good. Yeah. Ryan Giles is a good pizza, isn't he? Um, well, he is, of course, best known for being included in the coveted second-tier team of the season last season. Mm-hmm. That's what you have to put next to his name every single time you exactly. mention him. Um, and that's because he was sensational at left-back for Middlesbrough. Joint most assists in the division with 11. He was one of the top chance creators last season as well. Ryan Giles walked so Leif Davis could run. Um, and look, he, he does have weaknesses, in this case, defending, which is admittedly quite a big weakness. And that's perhaps why his move to Luton hasn't worked out. But he's an exceptional creator. And if he's on the front foot, he will be very dangerous for Hull. And it does mean Hull have a lot of creative masterminds in this team because you've got Giles, Fabio Carvalho, Jaden Philogene, Tyler Morton, Jean-Michel Serry. That's a lot of service for a good striker. So it's really exciting, isn't it, Justin? We've hyped on a lot about Hall's ambition in this transfer window. and Maybe they haven't signed that many players, but it is still exciting, isn't it? Well, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. I think they've been very measured in their recruitment over the last um, six or seven months compared to the summer, the first summer under Akinele Carly. It was very sort of, sign everybody, we can. Um, and that's fine. They needed to bolster their squad and it, it sort of worked out, but they've had to sort of, move players on as well and they, and they have been doing um, but the last seven months especially has been very measured it's been very pragmatic it's been very logical and that's a, and that's a good thing that's a good thing for the sustainability of Hall going forward and it's a good thing for Liam Rossini as well the only thing I will you know, pull up, pull, pull them up on is Rossini can be a little bit too patient in possession sometimes and that might not get the best out of some of those creators but there's a chance to uh, progress it Maybe he's not at the place to do it, Justin. Exactly. Maybe this is his chance now to be a bit more front-footed. Uh, speaking of Hull, they've also signed the standardly aged forward and brilliantly named Noah Ohio. And look, as we were just saying, they've got a lot of service now. They still need someone to put away those chances. They could really do with him being able to do that. So we'll wait and see on that front. Ali Al-Hamadi, his move to Ipswich from AFC Wimbledon has now been confirmed. It's said to be a £1 million deal, which could rise by a further three quarters of a million. We've spoken about this move already, Justin, but I just wanted to take a moment to highlight the journey Al-Hamadi's been on. He was born in Iraq in 2002, a year before the Iraq war. His family fled the country because of it, moved to Liverpool in 2003. His father was jailed after protesting against Saddam Hussein, probably the only time he's ever ever going to get mentioned on this podcast, and then moved to the UK later than the rest of his family, like a good year or so afterwards. And then in his professional career, he was at Tranmere, left to go to Swansea, but was released, was rejected by Derby, Justin, um, joined Wickham, where he barely played. And then he was on loan at Bromley in the National League as recently as a year and a half ago. And then moved to AFC Wimbledon in League Two, where he scored goals for fun. And now he's potentially a matter of months away from playing in the Premier League. What a journey that is. And he's only 21. It's a great story. And I hope he does really well 
at Ipswich. Um, moving on, Liverpool defender Nat Phillips has gone to Cardiff on loan for the rest of the season. The Bluebirds have also signed former Bristol City striker Famara Jeju. What a throwback, Justin. We love a bit of Famara on this show, don't we? Fucking too right. I went on his Wikipedia expecting to see a 35-year-old man, but he's 31. He's in his prime years. Come on. I'm, I'm well behind this move. Well behind this move. And you just hope that he gets a service because he's... I know we're you know having a laugh, but he is a very, very good forward. Is he? Is he? He is. He is. He is. He's a bit chaotic in the box, but he's you know he's, he can be a Keep consistent mind, goal You scorer. are blinded by big shithouse strikers. Yes, Jeju does fit into that. Yes, he ticks all my boxes, and that's exactly why I'm throwing far too much confidence behind him. I'm not sure you'll be saying that in a few months' time, but I forgot about Jeju, so it's good to see him back in the championship. <laughs> but speaking of big shithouses, Justin, you like your big shithouse centre-halves, and that means you must love Nat Phillips, mustn't you? Uh, I do and I don't. <laughs> he's 26 years old and he's still getting loaned out by Liverpool. I find that very, very uh, bizarre. He's being treated like an up-and-coming youngster. Um, he's going to be loaned out by Liverpool by the time he's... Uh, by, by his 35 but he's a solid defender wins a lot of aerials I think alongside Gutas and Mark Beginnis if, if Bullock wants to play a back three I think that's a very 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 tall defence uh, very good for a mid-table push but the fact that Nat Phillips has had such a bizarre career up until now he's not played over 100 career games and he's 26 years old I think yeah he's just a peculiar man is that right I never knew that yeah that's a that's a, that's a great start uh, he has had a strange career, isn't he? And I don't think anyone knows for sure just how good Nat Phillips actually is because he had that rather bizarre spell where he was playing regularly for Liverpool, didn't he? Because of they had no defenders. They had zero yeah. defenders. He had they had Massive no choice but to play prices. Nat Phillips. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a good couple of years ago now. And then he got linked with loads of Premier League clubs off the back of that, but no one actually signed him. Mm-hmm. So he went on loan to Bournemouth, which went well. He did quite well there. But then he essentially had a season off last season before going on loan to Celtic earlier this season and barely played. So who knows really if this is a good move or not? Because as I was alluding to, I don't think anyone knows how good Nat Phillips actually is. And the the most peculiar thing perhaps for me is I was of the opinion that Cardiff had other positions which they needed to strengthen far more than centre-half which just makes this even move a bit more curious. But it won't hurt having an extra option there, I suppose. No. And you've got Mark McGuinness, Gutas, Nat Phillips, Jeju. Um, I mean, Keon Atete is quite tall. I'm I'm seeing a shift that I like. I'm seeing a shift that I like. God. Get the big boys on. <laughs> Justin Pulis. That's the, that's the road you're going down. A couple of facts for you, Justin, about Nat Phillips that I didn't know. Um, he's the son of Bolton legend, Jimmy Phillips. Never knew that, but quite interesting. Um, and he's going out with the daughter of a famous rock star. Can you guess who it is? A famous rock star. Uh, I think your definition of rock star might be different to mine. Is that rock star English or American or what? English. Sally Phillips. Who? Oh, Sally Phillips is in Alan Partridge. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Um, no, you're wrong. He is going out with the daughter of Liam Gallagher. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for that, Justine. <laughs> Great feedback. Um, well, continuing with the theme of big shithouse defenders, Blackburn have signed Cal McFadden on a short-term deal. The 36-year-old mutually agreed to terminate his contract at Coventry to make this move happen. And again, Justin, I feel like this is the kind of move that you would like. 
yes and no. I, I maybe draw the line at some point. I like McFadden okay. a lot, but he looked old this season. He looked really old. And he dropped out of the team because of it. Can't play in a back two. So you can only play him in a back three. And in that back three, you've got to have youth, youthfulness and, and, and speed in there. Blackburn do possess a lot of youthfulness, which is going to help. But I think he's more so it's going to be a case of, okay, you've got an experienced defender. Um, it's going to help manage games potentially in the later stages of them uh, when they're when they're uh, when Blackburn might be ahead. So, yeah, it's one of them where I think uh, on paper it's probably a good signing, but in, in theory, uh, in practice, practically, uh, probably not. Well, my catchphrase for Blackburn this season has been: if they could defend, they'd be a half decent team. Um, so, getting in defenders to kind of repair the fragilities they've had at the back this season. Is a it makes sense, doesn't it? Is Cal McFadden still good enough at this level? I'm not too sure, but you know it makes sense, I suppose, on a short term deal. So why not? Um, and the final bit of transfer news, which we'll talk about, Justin, is Sunderland, who have signed defender Leo Hjelda from Leeds United on a permanent deal. The Norwegian was on loan at Rotherham last season, but has only managed 46 minutes in the league for Leeds this season. I am curious about this one, Justin. He was decent at Rotherham. And then it's a strange one with Leeds because they've been crying out for a left back, which is why they've played some Sam Byram there all season. But they have a left back in Hjelda mm. and just never played him. So I don't know if that says something about how good he actually is or whether Daniel Farker just doesn't fancy him. A strange one. Yeah, I think it was just a case of Daniel Fox just didn't fancy him. It was the same with Cody Jarmy. They both struggled um, in the opening. I can't remember which game it was now. It was at the start of the season. Um, both, both of them started. I think one of them was subbed off at half-time. I think that would have been Hilda. Um But I think from a Sunderland perspective, they needed a left-back. Danny Serkin's out for the foreseeable. They needed someone there. And, and obviously, Hilda can play centre-half as well. So he gives them flexibility if they need it. Uh, but you are right. Leeds, um, a cleaning shop, it, it feels like. A lot of youngsters have gone out, but are those youngsters going to get into the first team anytime soon? Probably not. He'll do fan that category. Yeah. It'll be, I, I don't know how much they've got for him, but it uh, makes sense, doesn't it, if he's just not fancied by Daniel Farker at all because he's not in the plans, then may as well cash in on him while they've got the chance. But he's still a young lad, isn't he? And Sunderland have a very good record of taking these young lads and polishing them into gems. So we'll be interested to see whether that happens with Pielda. Um But yeah, he doesn't want which particularly registers too much on my radar, I've got to say. Anyway, that's been the latest transfer news in the Championship. And we'll certainly have more in tomorrow's preview show when we'll be talking about all the deadline day deals. Of course, it is transfer deadline day. It's a busy one for everyone in the football industry and it's no different for us in the Championship. People have been complaining, Justin, haven't they, about it being a very quiet transfer deadline day from the looks of it because there isn't many rumoured deals. Not in the Championship. The Championship is jam-packed, isn't it? So tomorrow's going to be a busy one. We say it's jam-packed, but it's been jam-packed in the last week. It's been quiet for the first two, what, two-thirds of the, the window so far, and then it's just just lit up. So be more organised, football teams. Be more organised. No, I love it, it Justin. I love no, the chaos. No, I like steadiness. I like steadiness. I like to take it easy. I like to be relaxed. Just two days. the Championship. Been... You're in the wrong job if that's the case. Fine. I'll go to a Premier League podcast. 
No one wants you in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again tomorrow with the preview show where we'll be going through the deadline day deals as well as looking ahead to the games at the weekend. So we look forward to seeing you then. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Brian Dills. I've been Justin Peach. And a big thank you for listening. Second Tier is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network.